Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Well, what a decade these past three months have been, right? Look, one thing that I have come to observe and come to recognise is that crisis amplifies. It's like a big old highlighter pen. It highlights strength and it highlights weakness. It highlights leaps and it highlights cracks. And I've sat, as I've sat with people in this season, as I've listened to podcasts and messages online and as I've had conversations, I've noticed that it has really been a season of extremes, that some people have found this season, this crisis, quite a time of difficulty. It's been a time of valley. It's been a time of grief and it's been a time of suffering. And then I've sat with others and listened to other conversations where it's actually been the polar opposite, that it's been a time of the great awakening spiritually, that they've had some beautiful family moments, some treasured experiences, that it's actually highlighted wonderful things for them. And what I can't pull up is I can't pull up one conversation of ambivalence. This crisis hasn't affected anyone neutrally. It's affected us all collectively in a highlighter kind of way. And so for me, where have I sat? And I know for some of you this may be the case as well, as it's actually been a collision of both. It's highlighted both strength and weakness. It's highlighted both courage and fear. It's highlighted both yes and knows I have sat in the valley at times and lamented that I can't. And then I have stood on the mountaintops and actually cried out, yes, I can. You see, I seem to have straddled both. It's not been one or the other. It's actually been a collision in the middle. And it's that place that I speak from today. And actually a place that I want us to pause in today to pause in the paradox because I'm acutely aware and responsible for bringing the lessons and the learns from this crisis season into this next season. And it's this whole aspect of paradox that I really know I need to carry forward. So what is a paradox? Well, a paradox is two seemingly contradictory elements or themes or principles jostling for the same space. They're trying to take up the same place at the same time. And ladies who are recently at She Breathe, some of this may sound familiar, but this is version two today that I know will bless you. And so this whole notion of paradox, I, I love the analogy that Paul DeYoung senior pastor of Life Church in New Zealand uses, and he talks about a coin. And you see the human experience, the discipleship experience, and we even see the disciples asking this question regularly of Jesus himself. They're saying, Lord, which one is it? Is it this or this? Is it spirit or structure? Are you lion or lamb? Are you servant or king? Is it tenderness or strength? And it's like we want to reside 
We want to understand. We want to have a level of control and sit on just one side of the coin. Paul Young says that we need to recognise that a coin actually has a third dimension, and that is its rim. And the rim is where both principles, both elements, both themes collide, that it isn't actually one or the other. It isn't an either, either. It's actually a both. And I think that we're actually called to sit in this place of seeming contradiction, this place of paradox often more than we realise. Because I think Jesus is very comfortable on the rim and then invites us to sit there, stand there, walk with him in that place. Because the thing about the rim of the coin is with the right level of momentum, that can move far greater. It can move far further than if you simply place the coin flat and give it a little nudge. So as we pause in the paradox, as we pause on the rim of that coin today, Let's deep dive into the Word of God to look at how this principle comes alive in the Scriptures. So I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians verses 4, 7 to 10 in a couple of versions. Here's the first one. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Here it is in the Passion. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. What a powerful scripture, one I'm sure many of us know really well. Bit of context, Paul is writing to here the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth in this era had become a little bit preoccupied with status that they had notions, that they had ideas of what leadership should look like. And they were making it more in line with this kind of courageous, super strong, super apostle idea. And you see, the church at Corinth needed a reality check. And Paul certainly gives it to them here, where he provides a lot of personal insight and personal story. And in doing so, highlights that there is, in fact, great strength found in our weakness. Now what about these clay pots? Let's not overlook or dismiss the actual poignancy of this metaphor right here. 
when Paul's talking here about clay jars, this carefully selected metaphor where we're not to think of and have an imagery here of something ornate and extravagant and luxurious. This wasn't a pot that would hold a luxurious item. These clay jars that he talks about here were ordinary, crude items made by hand, strewn all over the place, easily broken, easily replaced. And when he's talking here about those clay pots, it's to emphasise our ordinariness because they contained ordinary items. They were in the home to house spoons and even sometimes human waste. But then Paul does this delicious paradox where he says, we are those clay jars, but we contain this glorious treasure. We house the Almighty One, the Alpha and Omega, the risen Lord and the immeasurably good news of Jesus is housed inside those clay pots. It's the modern day equivalent of that paradox is that we, yes, we friends, are like a 99 cent plastic bucket purchased from Red Dot that houses the maker of the universe. And so what Paul is emphasizing here is that the Christian experience is both. It's not either, either. It's both. It's both human and spiritual it's both common and magnificent. It's both simple and uncontainable. And it's that beautiful paradox on the rim of the coin. And so I want to pull out three principles here in this scripture passage as we pause in this paradox to come to understand this a little bit more. Let's pick up again in verse 7 here in the message of this translation. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unordained clay pots of our ordinary lives that's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. The first principle as we pause in the paradox on the rim is fragility and greatness, both. Not either either, fragility and greatness. It's okay. It's okay to feel fragile, friends. It's okay to be aware of our fragility. God is aware of our fragility. He doesn't overlook it. He doesn't wish it away. He sees our weakness, our tenderness, our right not on the verge of making itness, and then still chooses to fill us up with Him. Self. He knows that we are a clay pot. It's okay for us to embrace our fragility. Fragility and greatness coexist. Now, that's not to say that we're on a journey of spiritual transformation and, and it's not to say that we can just make excuses for poor decisions or unhelpful thinking and, and wish things away. But I do want to emphasize is that God sure knows that we're a clay pot and that he handmade us like that. You see, we have to keep recognising and remembering and learning and wrestling that we are part of an inverted kingdom, 
that we live a life as Christians that is an upside down narrative. You see, greatness in the land of discipleship doesn't look or sound like greatness. Greatness feels like fragility. That's the paradox. Greatness does not look like greatness to us. It looks like fragility. Just last week, Jace and I had a beautiful treat of heading down south, going off the grid for a few days in a little cottage in the bush in Bridgetown. And when we first arrived, the homeowner was showing us around and pointing out things that we needed to be aware of. And she pointed to this tiny little sensor light in the little alcove where the bathroom and the toilet was. And she said, this doesn't look like much now, but in the depth of night, in the blackness and the stillness of of night, this light will be more than enough for you. And she emphasised that obviously out in the bush you have no residual light, you have no home shedding light, you have no street light. So when it truly is in the, the depth of night, it truly is ultimately dark. But she said this tiny little light will be more than enough. So here's the point, right? He is more than enough light to cut through the deepest of night. The depth and breadth and width of God's greatness becomes more evident when it resides side by side with our fragility. He is seen and known in the most biggest and greatest of ways when he is beside our fragility. Just like that light is more than enough in the depth of night. Even the smallest portion of God's greatness comes into its full fruition when it resides amidst our fragility. It is both together. Our weakness is made great because of him. Our weakness and the full expression of it when his greatness resides next to it, jostle for the same space. God loves our clay potness in our ordinary fragility and all. Second principle as we pause in this paradox is the concept of being pressed and graced, not one or the other, but together on the rim. Verse 8 in the Amplified of those same verses. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are pursued, that is, persecuted and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. See, some of the hardest decisions that I have made some of the greatest step outs that I've done, even in this season that we have just walked through. I have felt pressed. I'm sure many of you could attest to that as well. I I have felt burdened. I have felt weighty. And so it's important for us to consider that some of the greatest pressing in this season that we have just walked through may not in fact be an indication of God's absence, but an indication of his greatest work. See, Paul shows us here that pressing is about growth, that we are not 
pressed to the point of us being broken and crushed and destroyed, but we are pressed. We are pressed as we lean into the transformative power of Holy Spirit. We are pressed to the point of growth, that it is both together. And so this pressing is graced. It's both pressed and grace. And you see, sometimes I think that we expect grace to feel really floppy and soft and wonderful. We can inadvertently assume that if we're graced for something or graced to be someone, that if we're living in this pocket of amazing grace, that that should translate to a feeling of softness and wonder and easiness. See, but again, the best way that I've come to understand grace is another paradox. It's a weighty ease. See, grace has got depth. It's got an anchoring. It's got a burden. It's got a responsibility attached to it. It's got unction. It's got grit. Something when it feels graced, it feels purposeful and honorable and complex. Yet added to that weight is an ease, a supernatural breath from God, a golden anointing, a holiness that enables us to step out and into what we're called to be and what we're called to do. See, such is the paradox of pressing and gracing. See, without the pressure, without the the weight of something, we can easily fall into superficial land. <laughs> That's easy. God's got it. What, whatever. I'm just graced. And yet without the pressing, without, sorry, the ease of grace, we can easily fall into striving land where we're always just pressing and pushing through and I've just got a weight bear and I've just got to keep on going. It's not one or the other, friends. It's the paradox of the both, that we need to lean into the pressing, that God does his greatest work in the pressing, that growth is found in the pressing, but he comes to grace us at the same time, simultaneously, not either, either, but both. And as we cling on to him, as we try not to avoid the pressing as painful as it can be, but as we cling on to him amidst us, we amidst it, we know that we will not be crushed, but we will be pressed. Pressed in grace, right there on the rim, is where God does some of his greatest work. Third principle as I finish up today. Third principle of the paradox that I've gleaned from this scripture. Suffering and triumph. Says it like this. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. See, as painful and as foreign and as uncomfortable as the discourse of suffering is to many of us in the Western world, I think we've got to keep grappling it. We've got to keep wrestling it out. We've got to keep accepting that suffering is part of the story that we have signed up for as a follower 
of Jesus. See, triumph in the world. Triumph in the world does not look like suffering. It looks like success. It looks like glory. It looks like popularity and accolades. But suffering, triumph rather, in the discipleship journey, it has the taste and the sound of suffering. Triumph in our journey wears suffering clothes. Triumph to us as believers, as followers of Jesus, doesn't look clean or pretty or slim or popular. It's not about degrees or knowledge or intellect or accolades. It's actually about suffering. Triumph, friends, as tricky as it is, as difficult as this concept is, triumph inside the Christian experience is we've given our heart and our attention to a gritty, brutal, harrowing image of a suffering love. That's what triumph looks like. It's not one or the other. It's both. And you see, we want to be more like Christ. We are pursuing Christ-likeness. And if we think about the image of a cross, the central image of our Christian experience, the central symbolism of our Christian journey. It's actually a symbol of torture. It's actually a symbol of suffering. It's, it's by its very de- definition, that cross encapsulates he who was not, he who was afflicted, he who suffered. And as I hold that image of the cross and as I consider that image of the cross, I have to remind myself, why on earth would I overlook or want to jump over the chapters of suffering in my own life? Why would I remove the suffering landscape from my own story when our entire faith finds its meaning in suffering? The crescendo part of the Christian narrative is the most emphatic moments of suffering. And so I cannot escape that as much as I would want to. I cannot escape that when I'm on a journey of being more like Christ, that I have signed up for a journey that will include some suffering. If God is so good, why do people suffer? It's because that's where triumph finds its greatest wings. Because that symbol of the cross, friends, whilst it's that harrowing image of suffering, at the same time, at the collision, at the paradoxical, contradictory element, as much as that's an image of suffering, it's an image of triumph. And the breadth and the depth and the width of Jesus's triumph can only be realized, can only be appreciated when it's held side by side with the suffering. Both those elements right there on the cross, jostle for space, jostle to take up room, but they can't cancel each other out. We can't have the true notion, the true understanding of Jesus's triumph and then our own ability to triumph without taking hold of the suffering story. That's why we need to keep pausing in the paradox. 
Let me finish here with these words of Paul at the end of this second epistle, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this, and Paul here is talking about some of his own personal afflictions. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. My power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me so I'm not defeated by my weakness but delighted. Friends, as we pause here in the paradox today, why don't you leave this moment in a minute and grab an actual highlighter pen. Maybe sit in that passage and ask Holy Spirit to highlight the words that are pertinent for you. What are the learns for you in this season? What is the paradox that you need to grapple with in this season? What does God want to say to you specifically? Maybe he wants to birth some compassion because your story has been a great one, but others around you it has not been. Maybe it's to take some of the pressure off you that where you have felt fragile and suffering and that somehow that has discredited you, that Holy Spirit wants to come and breathe and minister to you in that space. Take some time today to embrace your clay potness, to pause in the paradox that we are both fragile and great, pressed and grace, but because of his powerful suffering, we are triumphant. Bless you. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give. 